Hello and welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. This is the third podcast that we've done of the year. This is the second consecutive one that we are about to do. So this is, we're starting to roll a little bit now as the fantasy football season going to be upon us sooner rather than later. Joining me as always is my partner in crime, John Paulson. He's the senior editor at 444.com, puts together all the great rankings rankings that you see uh, during the year and leading up to the season. And John, it's always a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Anthony. How are you doing today? Good, good. Not too bad. Why don't you talk a little bit about the music, and then we'll dive into the kind of the rundown for today. Uh, yes, this is a Canadian uh, band called Winter Sleep. They're from, I just had to look it up, Halifax, Nova Scotia. Nice. Uh, the name of the uh, song is Spirit. Uh, Spirit. It's off of their 2016 album, The Great Detachment. Um, it's a it's a good track, so check it out. It's on the uh, most accurate uh podcast uh, playlist on Spotify. And if you can't find it on Spotify by searching for the most accurate podcast, you could also uh, go to the, our website 444, look on any of the podcast posts and there'll be a link to it where you can uh, check out the, all the music on, on the podcast. All right. This is what we have for you today. We're going to go over the, the murkiest running back by committee situations in the NFL. We'll go team by team. John will explain his thoughts on the committee and whether or not you can find some value or if maybe it's a fade situation. But we got two news items to go over first. When we did the podcast last week, John, we didn't know where Jeremy Macklin was going to sign. Now we do. He inks a two-year contract worth about $11 million with the Baltimore Ravens. He was banged up in 2016. Do you like the landing spot with Baltimore? Talk a little bit about Jeremy Macklin's fantasy potential. Well, I would say I would preface all this discussion with it's never a good sign when it, a wide receiver needy team uh, cuts somebody. Like it's not a good, it's not a good endorsement of Jeremy Macklin that Andy Reid, who knows Macklin well, um, knows how to utilize him best, decided decides to part ways fairly late in the preseason. So yeah, good point. Uh, there was a like a rumor or a report that they thought he lost a step, and I mean that's not surprising. He's getting he's getting older. He's still at a point where he should still be as productive as he was a couple of years ago. But um, through the first eight weeks of last year, he was the number forty four receiver, and that was before his groin injury struck. Um, so that's sort of not best case, but that's pretty good expectation of what he's going to be able to do uh, in Baltimore. Uh, he is not really getting a quarterback upgrade. And we talk about free agent receivers and what, what constitutes an upgrade downgrade, you know, generally speaking, they don't do as well with their new teams as they did with their old teams, unless they are getting a, an upgraded quarterback or they're getting a, a promotion in terms of targets. And he might see uh, more targets. Uh, the, the Ravens, I think uh, we're fourth in uh, total pass attempts uh, combined for the last two years, uh, fourth in league history in terms of most pass attempts over two seasons. Uh, led the league in pass attempts last year, if I remember correctly. So there's a lot of targets available. At last count, there was 300 and something uh, targets that were abandoned by Steve Smith, Dennis Pitta, uh, Kamar Aiken, uh, etc. So... There is an opportunity here for him to to play a pretty significant role, but um, I'm not like super 
excited about it fantasy wise. I think Brashad Perriman, they want him to, to play a lot. Uh, I think Mike Wallace is the number one receiver there. I, I really didn't move him down much on the Macklin news. Uh, Macklin, I think moved up from mid sixties with Kansas City to uh, mid fifties with, with Baltimore. So it's not like I'm, you know, going out and trying to target Macklin and uh, the seventh or eighth round. And I think Perriman probably took uh, the brunt of the, of the hit uh, in terms of the, the targets that uh, he'll see. Um, so I, if there's a guy here, I, I still want Matt, uh, Mike Wallace. I think his ADP is actually going to drop uh, with the Macklin news and it was already pretty affordable. So he's, he's definitely somebody that I'm looking to add in, in early drafts. One other news item that we have for you, Eric Decker was officially released by the Jets. He's visiting the Tennessee Titans today, today being Wednesday. The Baltimore Ravens also were rumored to potentially be interested also in Eric Decker. Do you think if Derek wind, uh, Eric Decker winds up in Tennessee, John, where they've drafted Corey Davis out of Western Michigan in the top five this year, and they also selected Taewon Taylor. Do you think that Decker would get lost in the shuffle if he winds up in Tennessee? Well, uh, I like I like calling him Derek Ecker, though. That was good. Fraudulent <laughs> um, slip. Uh, so he's got – his wife's got – has a, like a budding country career, I guess, country singing career. Yeah. They have a house in Nashville. So this is – I didn't know all this. So this is interesting in terms of – his likely landing spot. So he's looking more for not just football situation, but um, overall situation. And this becomes very likely. And it's also interesting that it's his first visit after getting cut. So uh, I would say that the Titans have a good chance to sign him if they want to. And it really shows that the Titans are super, have been super aggressive about adding weapons around Marcus Mariota. It's another reason to like Marcus Mariota. If Decker does sign, I think he'll start in the slot. And, uh, he, he'll be effective there. You have, um, Corey Davis, you have Richard Matthews, you have, uh, Delaney Walker. So it's not like there are going to be 120, 130 targets available for him, but he'll, um, if, if, if he, I haven't run the numbers yet, but if he lands in Tennessee, I'm guessing he'll be ranked at, you know, near Macklin, um, in terms of the, his expected production. He's just a really good, um, slot receiver and he's really good in the red zone in terms of catching touchdowns. I think he's averaged over 6.6 or 0.7 touchdowns per game uh, in the last uh, 18 games. So he's, he's been really productive in the red zone for, for the jets and he's really produced anywhere he's gone. Um, he, you know, he had a good year with Tim Tebow at quarterback. Uh, he had a good year, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So uh, I think landing with Mariota would be a pretty good, pretty good spot for him, but I wouldn't rank him in the top 20 or 30 Uh, given all the uh, miles to feed there. All right, before we talk about running back committees, I want to remind listeners that early bird pricing is still available at 444.com. It expires at the end of the month, so don't wait too long to jump on the the current pricing plan. Classic subscriptions are $24 a year. The pro subscription jumps up to $49 a year. And if you look at what you're getting from the pro subscription, that includes unlimited draft analyzer, live sync, 
League Sync on the 444 website. So that's the difference there. And then, of course, John, we have the DFS subscription, which is $79 for the year. That includes everything in the pro subscription, along with all of 444's DFS content, like the lineup generator and all the great content written by Chris Raybon, TJ Hernandez, and the rest of the DFS contributors. So if you if you're familiar with the work of Chris Raybon and TJ Hernandez, they do an incredible job for uh, for 444.com from a DFS standpoint. And that $79 is certainly a great value, John. Absolutely. And I'd like to mention one other thing is we'll do another uh, iTunes uh, review contest. So over the next week, uh, whoever uh, gives us a review uh, actually writes something and gives us a star rating on iTunes. Uh, you'll be entered to win a free uh, subscription. I uh, will talk to Luis whether or not it's going to be a pro or a DFS sub, um, but uh, it would be one or the other. And uh, so make sure you go to iTunes, uh, give us a review, and then next week we will pick a winner. How's that sound, Anthony? That's perfect. I love all the contests. You get you get those uh, you get those reviews, the forced reviews, and you hope that they're good. And if they're bad, you yeah. just sift through them and you, you get rid of them. Yeah, it's good feedback for me. I, I was told uh, in the reviews that I need we needed to work on the music discussion. So uh, that was I don't know what that means, but now I now I have a complex whenever I'm talking about music. <laughs> you and I you and I are completely different minds. If we if we, if I could just go on a rant for a second, we we absolutely do not match in terms of musical styles. So maybe that'll actually work out better. Like if you pick out the music for the intro and then. I'll come through with some like Soundgarden, Allison Chains, uh, you know, Stone Temple Pilots at the end. We'll be set. I've, I feel like we'll cover a lot of groups. I think the guy who just said that our music discussion needs work is probably sitting in, uh, with this pod, you know, with this podcast, listening to it and shaking his head in, in frustration. So let's just move on. All right, let's talk about running back, murky running back situations. And John, I was looking through your rankings, and it looks like we have seventeen teams with a clear running back pecking order. That's Arizona. Part part of me. I'm going to run through this real quick. Arizona, Pittsburgh, Dallas, Buffalo, San Diego, Miami, Chicago, Atlanta, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Houston, and the Rams. They have stud running backs, clear running back packing orders, clear RB ones. Those are those teams. Then we have Cleveland, Detroit, Indy, Philly, Oakland. They have pretty clear roles for their top two or three backs. So let's run down the other 15 teams now, and you can give us a little bit of a prediction about how those running back situations are going to play out. Maybe highlight which player you would like to target, uh, given given the current price. Let's start off with Kansas City. What do you like about this situation? Who do you, who do you like? And then maybe who are you fading with the Chiefs? Well, I think I'm pretty high, relatively speaking, on Spencer Ware. I don't I know he faded down the stretch last year, but they had some offensive line injuries late last year that uh, hurt the running game. Since taking over or since being with the Chiefs, he's averaged about 4.6 yards per carry. Uh, He also had some opportunity that TJ Hernandez talked about uh, in terms of opportunity lost uh, in the red zone uh, for rushing touchdowns as well. So he should regress to the mean if he gets the same number of carries. Um, So I'm still a Spencer Ware fan, and and the the Kareem Hunt uh, draft pick uh, has – where going near the five six turn, I think that's really good value for him. Hunt's going in the early ninth, so you could actually get both of these backs fairly cheaply. We'll move on to Minnesota. I'm sorry, Cincinnati. Let's talk about the Bengals. You got Mixon, you got Hill, you got Bernard. 
Yeah, the the rumor is that Bernard may not be ready to, for the start of the season, so it looks to me like Joe Mixon is um, going to have a chance to start right away, and, and Hill's uh, going in the fifteenth round. So people fantasy fantasy owners are not buying into uh, Jeremy Hill at all, but I, I still think that he could be the goal line back there. So that's why I'm a little bit nervous about Mixon uh, going uh, at the end of the third round. That's where he's going right now, ADP wise, and that's a little bit scary to me. But I think you know he's probably. I mean, if he is the starter, then that's probably fair value for him. I think that's the, the question is goal line back. Uh, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Hill or is it going to be Mixon? Minnesota, you have Dalvin Cook, the rookie. You have Latavius Murray, who was signed off the free agent market. And then you still have Jarek McKinnon that there that's there as well. I really like Dalvin Cook. Where do you see him going? Uh, he's going in the mid-fifth round. I think he's actually pretty good value there relative to the other rookie running backs other than Leonard Fournette. Uh, I think he's a pretty good value in the mid-fifth. It, it seems fairly clear that he's ahead of uh, Latavius Murray, who's injured. Um, you know, they went out and signed Murray, and then uh, he, he's still working his way back. Um, he's Cook's going in the fifth. Murray's going in the twelfth. And then Jarek McKinnon, who, you know, if he had – if these running back changes hadn't happened and they were going in, in with McKinnon as a starter, he'd be going in the fifth or sixth round right now. So I think uh, Dalvin Cook being the better talent, um, it's a pretty good value there for the mid-fifth. I think the concern with Minnesota is that they could not run the ball at all last year. Uh, if I remember correctly, 3.3 yards per carry as a team. Uh, but they did make some offensive line changes. So And then the addition of Cook should also uh, improve that overall outlook there for that running game. Yeah, Minnesota, they, they've been trying to rebuild that offensive line for a while. They made some moves last last offseason that just flat out didn't pan out. This offseason, they were active again in free agency, signing Riley Reef and Mike Remmers. And then in the draft, they picked Pat uh, El- Elflin, if I'm saying that correctly, in the third round. So hopefully Minnesota this year, if you if you like Dalvin Cook, if, you, if you're leaning toward nabbing the rookie in the middle rounds, as John noted, uh, hopefully, though, those offensive line moves worked out. Let's go on to Carolina now. We know that they're, they, they have been a power run team with Cam Newton in the past uh, at uh, under center. And then, of course, you have Stewart. And back in the day, you had D'Angelo Williams. Now, after nabbing Christian McCaffrey in the top 10 this year, I wonder how things are going to work out with their scheme. Do you like McCaffrey as a potential Danny Woodhead type in Carolina? And then what do you think about Jonathan Stewart from fantasy perspective? Well, I do like McCaffrey as a pass catching back. We talked about rookies last week and we expressed the concern that they're trying to change scheme here. And, and will Cam Newton go along with that and dump the ball off to his uh, running backs? He has not had a tendency to do that in his career. Um, I, I still think that Jonathan Stewart is holding on as the first and second down back. I don't think they want to run McCaffrey out there as a three down back right away. Um, but you know, there's a pretty good chance that Stewart gets dinged up at some point during the season. And then you have McCaffrey there getting. Uh, you know, workhorse type touches, and that's going to lead to great value. Uh, the late third makes me a little bit nervous with him, but I think in general, the, the running back ranks, uh, you know, t- kind of fall off a cliff when it comes to, um, safety, uh, you know, known quantities. We've got a, a few rookies with Mixon and McCaffrey there in the third round. And, uh, you know, after Lamar Miller's off the board, it seems like, uh, there's a lot of question marks there at the, at the, at the running back uh, rankings. So, um, I'm recommending that uh, right now that owners try to get one running back in the first two two rounds, or if they can go early third and grab a running back there like Lamar Miller, then uh, that's understandable as well. Let's move on to your Packers. Ty Montgomery emerged last year as as the starter. He was a slot receiver at Stanford. 
a lot of draft pundits thought he he would be better as a running back, and that's where the Packers moved him. You also have Jamal Williams in the mix and Aaron Jones. And going back to Montgomery for a second, John, he's he's trying to add strength in his lower body. He wants to be focused on the long haul at running back. What do you think of him? Well, I think by doing what they did, I, it seems like he's going to be the starter. I, I wonder if he's, he's durable enough really to to handle 250 carries and another 50 catches. Um, so my guess is that he's more part of a committee where he's getting 12 to 15 carries a game as opposed to 15 to 20. Uh, they drafted Jamal Williams. He's, he's going in the 13th round of fantasy draft. Aaron Jones is also uh, there. Uh, he's pretty intriguing as well. He's completely undrafted. So if you're 16th, 17th round, you could pick him up for, for basically free. Uh, I don't know that Williams is really any better than Jones. Um, so that's, that's a camp battle to watch, uh, this off season because, or, uh, you know, in the, in the camp because whoever's backing him up, Montgomery, that is, uh, is going to have a lot of value if Montgomery were to go down. Montgomery's going in the early fifth. I think that's fair in PPR formats. He's, you know, he has 11 catch upside, uh, in any given game. Um, and then he's, he's trying to stay on the field on third downs, uh, by, by improving his pass protection. And that'll be a, a, a big question mark for him because they've got, Ripkowski there, who they trust in pass protection, and he's not nearly as dynamic in the receiving game as Montgomery is. So it'd be nice to be able to have Montgomery there to uh, to kind of uh, go out in a in a, in a pattern uh, for a dump off if there's no one to block. This is one of the most intriguing running back situations heading into training camp, John. I'm talking about New Orleans. So they have Mark Ingram. They signed Adrian Peterson. They drafted Alvin Kamara, who. If he landed in another situation with a running with a running back depth chart that was thinner than what the Saints have, I'd be in, I'd be really intrigued with Kamara. Uh, but as it, as it stands right now, he's behind Ingram and Peterson, so that that's a kind of a tough road to hoe. But Adrian Peterson said this week, he said a lot of people say, well, he can't catch the ball. He says I've been playing since I was seven years old. I can catch the ball. It's all about having a guy that's going to get me the ball. And without a doubt, I know Drew Brees is going to. We'll be doing that. What do you think about Adrian Peterson? What what's the what's the prospect for him? And do you see him cutting into Mark Ingram's playing time? Well, I think he's certainly a threat to Mark Ingram's playing time, especially if all these you know reports of him being in phenomenal shape and being amazing uh, are true. Uh, they gave quite a few carries to Tim Hightower last year, so uh, Ingram's you know if they hadn't signed Peterson, Ingram would probably be a what a third round, second round pick. Um, now he's going in the early sixth, P- Peterson in the early eighth. Um, so you have kind of a, a murky running back committee there. And, it, you know, Peterson's significantly better than Tim Hightower, or at least a significantly bigger threat to Mike Ingram than Tim Hightower. So that's why Ingram is going in the sixth instead of the fourth or fifth. Um, I don't really buy that Peterson's going to suddenly become a great receiver. Um, he's always looked pretty stiff to me um, p- catching the ball. Uh, he can, he can catch it, but he's just not real fluid in the, in the passing game. And I also wonder, you know, is he able to run out of the shotgun? Um, that was, has been a criticism of his, uh, over the past few years. And most of the league now runs a lot of shotguns. So it'd be interesting to see if he's able to, uh, kind of convert, uh, there as well. So, um, do I want any of these guys? I've been taking Ingram in the sixth here and there. Um, but I'm not really excited about any of them, to be honest. 
the one of the bigger Russian roulette situations that I see out of out of the teams that we're talking about is Denver. They've got C.J. Anderson. They signed Jamal Charles. They drafted Devontae Booker last year, and he's heading into his second year. All these guys have shown flashes in different ways. Knowing myself, knowing how, even when I'm relying on your great rate, uh, ratings, John, I, I tend to struggle with running back by committee approaches. I'm going to steer clear of Denver, but you want to talk me into one of these players? Well, I, I'm closely watching Jamal Charles's health uh, this summer, and if he is looking like his old self, he's going to be a bargain for those people that picked him up in the 13th round. Uh, I think a lot of people think he's done, but um, I'm not so sure. And he was so talented when healthy. Uh, if his knees are uh, 80, 90%, um, then he, he, he's got a good chance of beating CJ Anderson out. And Anderson's going in the sixth. Charles is going in the 13th round. Um, so it is a little tougher in, in, uh, best ball formats to, to draft Charles because you're stuck with him all year, even if he gets cut or, you know, he's an injury, um, injury cut or something like that. Uh, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a draft where you could cut bait with him and you can pick him up in the 13th, 12th, 13th round, I think that's a pretty good gamble because if he's uh, good to go, then he could be, uh, outperform that draft spot, uh, significantly. Let's talk about a team that's not going to be very good, but, Kind of some intriguing players at the running back position. That's San Francisco. You got Carlos Hyde, and then you've got Joe Williams, and you also have Kyle Shanahan coming in. And we we all know about Kyle Shanahan's offense from a year ago in Atlanta. Granted, that that team was absolutely stacked, but he got a lot out of those running backs, and he figures to run the ball a lot too, with given his quarterback situation. Yeah, I think we talked about Joe Williams last week with the rookie rookie pod. Uh, he, he was the main target for Kyle Shanahan uh, in the draft once the fourth round started. And uh, John Lynch uh, called him up, had some concerns about his character because he uh, quit on his team, but then came back really strong, uh, finished out the season really strong. And uh, Lynch uh, succumbed to his coach's wishes and dra- uh, traded up and ended up drafting. It wasn't even on Lynch's board uh, until that point. So the fact that Shanahan was, uh, quote unquote, banging the table for him, uh, indicates that Hyde's in trouble. There are also questions about Hyde's uh, fit uh, in the offense. There was a beat reporter that said he was slow and indecisive in OTAs, and negative reports in OTAs are usually a really bad sign. Um, so Joe Williams is one of my primary targets there in the 11th. Once we hit the double digits uh, rounds, 11th, 12th round, if I need a running back, I think Joe Williams has a good chance to win that uh, win that job in San Francisco. And even though they're not going to be leading a ton of games. He's still going to get plenty of work if he's a starter. John, if I, uh, if I didn't know better, I would assume that the New York Jets are tanking and they, they're going to, they're, they're really devoid of talent, especially offensively. So what do you think of guys like Powell and Matt Forte? Well, Powell, I think is going to end up being the starter with Forte as sort of the backup, but they're probably going to use both. Um, they, they've been cutting all their, their vets, but Forte's money is all guaranteed. So there's no benefit to them, uh, uh, cutting him, so so I think uh, he's going to be around, and that's unfortunate for Powell. Uh, but I think Powell in the sixth round is a is a, a good value there. Uh, I, think, I think you have to worry about the the actual share that each guy gets, but I think Powell is a better player right now, and he's the better bet in the sixth round. Let's move on to Tampa Bay. A lot of players, a lot of intrigue here as well. Doug Martin, you still have Sims there. I feel like he's been there forever, even though he's done nothing. 
Jaquiz Rogers, who looked really good for stretches a season ago. And then they drafted an explosive back in Jeremy McNichols out of Boise State. So you have four intriguing players. Is is there one back that steps up? Well, Doug Martin's been getting a ton of buzz uh, he, he, this offseason in terms of his how he's come back physically. And he looks like he's ready to uh, to have a bounce back year. He's, he's suspended for the first three games, which is keeping his his ADP down in the seventh, eighth round, but um, you could get him in the seventh, eighth round and then pick up uh, Jaquiz Rogers in the 16th, 17th round and have a pretty good handle on that, on that running game there uh, in, in Tampa. Uh, they've been, they've had a tendency to run one of those two guys the most in any given game, depending on who's available. So uh, I, I think quiz is the clear backup uh, with Sims being kind of the third down back type. And, and so, so Martin, um, Likely starting week four, uh, but I think Quiz will will start the first three weeks and has a chance. If he really runs well, he, they might ease Martin into the season. John, if you if I said to you, hey, you need to be a certain weight to do this podcast, and you're going to get certain bonuses, do you think you can keep the keep the weight? Yeah, I mean, if the bonuses are like 150 grand or something like that, <laughs> then certainly I could I could uh, stand to lose a few pounds. Sure. Well, Eddie Lacy has hit. The two weight clauses thus far, he's gone, he's come underweight both times, so he's been cashing in with Seattle. They clearly want to keep him motivated so that he can emerge as the uh, RB1 with the Seahawks. But C.J. Procise is there and Thomas Rawls is there as well, so what do you make of the Seahawks? Well, I think they'll, they'll want to use Lacey on first and second down if he's running well and is fit, and then uh, Procise will come in and be the, the passing down back for them. Uh, I think the eighth is kind of aggressive for him. Um Seventh for seventh round for Lacey seems reasonable, but um, this is not really a running game that I'm wanting to buy a part of because it's just been kind of struggled the last year, and they're not the ranking team that they used to be. The offensive line isn't as good, um, so I'm, I'm sort of staying away from this group altogether. And plus, it's pretty murky. On top of it, you really don't know. Uh, they might come out and Procise might end up winning the job, and um, you know maybe then he's the good value in the eighth, and then Lacey's. Uh, killing people in the seventh round. So uh, it's just one of those uh, situations I'm just kind of steering clear of. This is a tough one, too. It's the Giants. You have Paul Perkins. You have Shane Vereen. But I just read a, a report a day or two ago, uh, or maybe it was this morning, that Orleans Darkwa got extensive work with the first-team offense on the first day of minicamp for the Giants. So you have Darkwa, Perkins, Vereen. This seems to be a mess as well. Yeah, I think Perkins ends up being the starter, but first and second down, second down guy, Vereen is the third down guy. I don't know how much uh, damage Perkins can do in two downs with this. Uh, this running game isn't particularly strong either. Um, so, you know, seventh round is okay value for him if you need a third or fourth running back with some upside. Um, but he's, he's not going to be in on third downs unless something happens to Shane Vereen. And, and then on top of it, you have this whole Ar- Orleans Darkwa situation. Uh, it's this, it's not an attractive situation to be a part of. Uh, the Patriots went out and signed 400 running backs in the offseason. So this <laughs> this is the current mess for the Patriots, for fantasy owners. You have Gillisley, who they signed from Buffalo. You still have White. You have Rex Burkhead, who spent his most of his time in, in Cincinnati. And then you have Deion Lewis. So at, at any point, you could have a Patriots running back that could be incredibly productive However, as I mentioned earlier with Denver, you have kind of a Russian roulette situation with the Patriots' backfield. 
Yeah, and I'm looking at this group, and it's very talented. I think this is a really good group, and that makes it a little tougher to figure out what people are going to do. But, I mean, I think they signed Mike Gillisley to replace LeGarrette Blount. I think they originally signed Rex Burkhead to do that. Uh, but then they had an opportunity to sign Gillisley and kind of hurt the Bills in the same process, and, and they did. Gillisley was very good uh, at the goal line last year for the Bills, and I think he'll take over the Blunt role, which – uh, means he's he's a threat for double digit touchdowns, a, a big threat. So sixth, seventh round, I think is fair for that. Um, and then I think James White is the passing down back. That's the that's what Mike Rice said, the beat writer there in New England. Um, he's won over Bel- Bill Belichick. Uh, he had obviously the great Super Bowl, you know, game with the three touchdowns and uh, all the catches there uh, with Deion Lewis kind of hobbled. And uh, so White is going in the tenth round. I think I, I've drafted three times and I've got him three times. So obviously uh, PPR formats, I think he's a real nice value there. Ninth, 10th round. And then uh, I think Burkhead and Lewis Burkhead's going in the 15th round, Lewis in the 16th round. Those guys, I think you're going to need an injury ahead of them to emerge. Uh, uh, I think the plan is for the Patriots to play Gillisley and white mostly with, you know, rotating in those other two guys. Did you have some nightmares over the next team that we're going to talk about? Based on- I, I definitely got I definitely got some Twitter comments uh, enjoying how I tried to pronounce uh, Pirine's name right Pirine Pirine God <laughs> you're I I know what's going to happen throughout the course of the season at some point we're going to be like in week seven I'll be like John why why haven't we talked about the Redskins at all and it's going to be because of Pirine here Samaje Pirine Samaje uh, so I, I have his name spelled P E E R Y N E now so I I will remember how to pronounce it Pirine Pirine Samaje Pirine Sam Pirine so the Redskins they got Pirine they got <laughs> Kelly they got Thompson and did I see this morning that 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 Kelly wanted his outright release from the oh, Redskins that was Matt Jones Matt that Jones, was Matt Jones. Actually, okay yes. yeah. So uh, I think, so in this, think yeah, no, in this this backfield, I think Kelly is the the play right now because he's actually starting and he's four rounds cheaper than P Ryan. Now I would expect P Ryan to to win the job, um, maybe uh, he's got a pretty good chance to win the job, but not at the not at a four round advantage over over Kelly. So uh, Kelly apparently came back more fit. Uh, is taking things seriously. The running back coach said he's ob- said that he's obviously the starter right now. Um, so, you know, he looks like he's going to be the, the, you know, the, the top guy. Um, but you're, they definitely didn't sign P Ryan to, uh, not play at all. I think he'll, he'll get, uh, uh, rotated in and, and have a little bit bigger role than uh, what Matt Jones did uh, last year behind Kelly. And then Thompson, Chris Thompson is the PPR guy and he's a good value there in the 15th round if you're just looking for it. Uh, you know, a fourth or fifth PPR back that could, uh, you know, catch five passes in a game and maybe score a touchdown for you. John, I don't want to alarm you, but you just said P Ryan three times correctly. So yeah, you might be turning spelled, the like I said, I've got it spelled in capital letters P E E R Y N E. So now I'm never going to forget P Ryan. You're all set. <laughs> the last team that we want to talk about is Baltimore. You have Danny Woodhead, you have Dixon, and he's going to face a four game suspension. And then Terrence West is still hanging around. I mean, Danny Woodhead's the only guy you're targeting, right? Yeah, seventh round. I think he's a nice value. PPR formats. He was going in the fifth round last year. I took him everywhere, and of course, he got had the huge first game and then got injured. Uh, if if the Ravens hadn't signed Woodhead and Dixon wasn't suspended, I think Dixon would probably be going what fourth fourth or fifth round. Um, so he's you know not a bad just sort of 
attrition play or just a, okay, I want to stash a running back and hope that he um, uh, is able to emerge as the season wears on. Uh, because I do think that they hold him in higher regard than, than Terrence West. But then you look at Terrence West and he's the starter and he's going in the 12th round. So he is the cheapest current starter that I could find, um, you know, in drafts right now. So uh, he's not a bad guy to grab either. I think there's some value with all three of these guys. Before we sign off, let me remind everybody again, hey, listen, you've got three subscriptions that are going on right now for 444.com. But those these prices that I'm about to read off, they expire at the end of the month, so don't wait too long. You know that you're going to use the rankings. You know that you're going to grab all the content and, and utilize all the content that John Paulson and Chris Rabon and TJ Hernandez and the rest of the great writers at 444.com, uh, you know you're going to use it. So jump on the subscription right now, whatever one fits you best. We've got the classic subscription that's $24 a year. The pro subscription is $49 a year. That includes unlimited draft analyzer live sync as well as league sync on the 444 site. And then, of course, we have the DFS subscription at $79 a year. That includes everything in the pro along with 444's DFS content like the lineup generator and all the great content provided by Chris and TJ and the rest of the DFS con- contributors. You can follow John Paulson on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow, follow me as well at Anthony Stalter if you're so inclined. We will see you next time on 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast.